Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. Hey, guys. If you're back to school uh, recently or about to go back to school, I hope that your school year has started off well. It was such an exciting time for me when I was a kid. I always loved going back to school. Um, I was a nerd, so <laughs> I hope that if you're in school, you're loving it too. I wanted to really quickly thank my my Patreon clan, my ca- caffeinated cronies. Um, if you are interested in checking that out, you can get access exclusively to my new show, Coffee Sips, which is my faith and lifestyle show for only $5 a month. And I'm also offering an inaugural special where uh, this special will be done in like less than two weeks. So go now and check out patreon.com slash called and caffeinated and you'll get a beautiful t-shirt. It's my favorite t-shirt. It's so soft and you get to choose one of two designs. So to steal a line from Patrick Coffin, we're having more fun than canon law allows over at Patreon. I also wanted to let you know real quick about today's episode sponsor, which is the Carmelite Sisters of Baltimore. So y'all know if you are a regular listener that I recommend that every young person discern religious life before you choose a final vocation. So there are so many awesome Carmelite saints, including St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, who is my patron saint, real heavy hitters. Um, And these sisters in Baltimore live out that tradition in a multi-generational and multinational community, striving to share the love of God with our world, which is so in need. So you can visit the Carmelite Sisters website at baltimorecarmel.org or click on the link in today's show notes at my website, stacysummerow.com. All right, let's get to this episode. I'm just really excited to share with you Meg Hunter-Kilmer, who is the self-dubbed Hobo for Christ. We're going to find out in this episode what that means. So for Meg, after two theology degrees and five years of being a teacher, she took to the road and she just travels all the time and shares her faith with people all over the world. So we discuss her unique calling as well as a topic that I think is a point of stress for many of us, which is finding balance. But then I started to question, what does balance even mean in God's plan for us? And Meg's also going to share some saint stories at the end of the episode about two lesser known saints. It's fascinating hearing about how the saints discerned. This was a longer discussion than usual, so I'm not going to be singing at the end like I usually do. But I think Meg's dulcet tones are going to take very good care of your eardrums. So, Without any further ado, here is Meg Hunter-Kilmer. Meg, it is such a pleasure to be here with you, drinking coffee. Cheers. Yeah. In person. I know. We Super usually do, exciting. Yeah, we usually do this over the phone. So I love, love, love speaking with somebody in person. I just have no energy for interviews over the phone because I'm like, is it my turn? Is it your turn? Like, who's supposed to be talking right now? I know. You have to, as an interviewer, it's such an art, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's interesting. Um, I've put a lot of energy into watching my favorite interviewers and what they do and I'm still I still have a lot of room for improvement but I always try to not like insert every little comment Mm because that gets so annoying especially over the phone when there's Mm -hmm. a delay yeah yeah so here comes the question what calls have you received from God in your life and what have those calls looked and felt like well I feel like the most obvious one um being a hobo missionary Mm -hmm. was definitely the Lord calling me to quit my job, packed everything I own into the trunk of my car and start driving. So I was, um, 
I was a teacher for five years and I knew that God was calling me out of the classroom. I um, I loved teaching, like creepy loved teaching. <laughs> it was a Sunday night, I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost Monday. Like nobody feels that way about Mondays, right? That's not normal. And I am naturally a really angry person. I get angry super easily. But in the classroom, mm -hmm. in four and a half years, I got angry two times. Wow. And I don't know if you've met a 15-year-old boy, but <laughs> that's a miracle. Mm -hmm. So, And I knew, like the Good whole time, you. I was just so profoundly aware that there was deep grace involved in that. Mm -hmm. The trouble was that I taught for five years. And that last semester, the grace was withdrawn. Mm. I mean, it was it was just so clear. Like three times a week, I would have to stop talking and turn around and rest my head on the board so as not to chuck Norris some kid in the face. Like it was it was so bad, Stacy. Mm. Um, so interesting. I remember talking to my principal, and he was like, "Well, you just have to hold on." And I was like, "No, no, you don't realize what it is that I'm controlling. <laughs> like if mm. I snap, like this is not gonna be good." And so. You know, I'm not saying if things are hard, run. But I'm saying if things are supernaturally hard, pay attention. If everything external is the same and the internal has changed, you have to listen to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're body and soul. And so when you're discerning something big, it's really important to recognize what's going on with you physically as well. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. if you've had the kind of situation where you're like, oh my gosh, like, everything's wrong. Like, what do I need to change in my life? And then you realize you got three hours of sleep and had five shots of espresso. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yes. I'm just high. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I, Every I, day, that's my life is a mom. And right. what you're describing actually is, for me, like pregnancy. Mm -hmm. The grace was withdrawn, which is funny because it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to love being pregnant. Ooh, girl, or, no, no. Right? No. Or like I'm supposed to love being a mother. And that's actually been one of my big challenges. I love my children, but I struggle so hard. Mm -hmm. And so I find myself kind of banging my head against the proverbial, you know, chalkboard. <laughs> saying, yeah. what am I doing here? So right. this is interesting to hear you say that. Not that I'm putting my kids up for adoption, but maybe I should just start <laughs> Um, I will say, I love my children. If you, for people who struggle with pregnancy, Blessed mm -hmm. Maria Quattrochi is such a beautiful saint. So okay. she, awesome. she was married to Blessed Luigi Quattrochi. They were a 20th century Italian married couple. They had four kids. That's it. That's the whole story. They wow. like, were completely unremarkable. Um, but she, I mean, obviously they were extraordinary. But they just yeah. lived very a very ordinary life in an extraordinary way. But she cool. really struggled in pregnancy. She mm -hmm. had really miserable pregnancies, and we actually have her letters where she writes to her husband and she's like, how can I possibly handle another pregnancy? Like she gets a positive mm. pregnancy test and she said, I'm close to despair. And recognizing that that's not before her conversion, like that's what being a saint looks like for her, right? Because mm -hmm. sometimes holiness means that you're in a miserable situation and you stick it out and you stay there. Mm. And sometimes yes. holiness means that you're in a miserable situation and you say, you know what? like." We can heal this. We can make this better. Maybe the Lord is trying to speak in this. And so mm -hmm. that's, I think, where that discernment piece comes in, yeah. is to take a step back. You know, and I, I'm having this, like, miserable experience. And I was like, okay, so I'm living at a boarding school in the dorm with no car. I was like, maybe I just feel trapped. I'll mm -hmm. just go buy a car. So, you know, sometimes the way that you have to make sure you're listening to God's voice is extreme. So I went out and I bought a car. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. It's still wrong. And I think that broadly speaking, if you've made a commitment to something, you can assume that the Lord wants you to honor that commitment unless he's yes. very clear about it. So right. there was no point where I was like, oh, maybe I won't finish the school year. Because mm. 
you know, I pray about a decision before I make it. And once I make it, if God wants me to cut and run, like that's on him. I don't have to right. keep discerning. Am I going to fulfill my contract? You know, like right. yes. he, if he wants to speak, he can speak. And I'm giving him space to speak every day in my life. But I don't have to like get up every morning and be like, mm, do I go to work? Do I not go to work? Mm. Like, yes, you go to work. God's will to do. Yes. But, yes. Do you know, as you. a teacher, you have yearly contracts. And so right. I was like, okay, well, you know, I need I need to really take this to prayer. And so I went to prayer and I prayed about leaving and I felt a lot of peace and I prayed mm. about staying and I felt a lot of unrest and this mm-hmm. isn't the kind of discernment that works if you're not in a state of grace so right. like step one go to confession because if you're not in a state of grace you just can't hear anything that God is saying mm-hmm. and I think it's also not the kind of discernment that works if all you ever pray about is your plans and God's will. Yes. You know, my big mm-hmm. advice anytime people ask me about discernment is stop seeking God's will and start seeking God. Because mm-hmm. we go to prayer and we use God like a magic eight ball and we just obsess over ourselves yep. and we call it prayer and it's idolatry. And like the Lord knows where you're coming from and he understands that it's like genuine and sincere and you earnestly want to be in his will. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But so often we just, we obsess over ourselves. Absolutely. And and it's not relationship and it's not intimacy and you can't hear the will of God when ultimately the will of God is to be in relationship with you, right? Our vocation, all of the small decisions that we make and the big decisions, those are all a reflection of our attempt to be in relationship with God, right? So so like, yes, pray about decisions, but pray more about just loving the Father and about delighting in the Son and about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Like meditate on the Gospels, not just to be like, what does this tell me about my decision making, but just to fall in love with the Lord. Absolutely. So that was something that's like, like a total baseline for me, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're in a state of grace, you're spending serious time in silent prayer every day, just loving on the Lord. And then from there, where do we go? And so, you know, I prayed about staying at the school and I was like, what if I had like a totally imaginary scenario where I could like sleep until noon and wear jeans every day and I only taught the children who of you know, like orphans, right? So I didn't have to deal with parents. Um, I'm sure <laughs> most parents are lovely, but you know, sometimes as a teacher, that is a real challenge. A struggle, and, I'm know, sure. The work that you're trying to do. Um, and I prayed about that and I was like, yeah, it's just wrong. And so mm. I was like, okay, like I felt a lot of peace about leaving so I pull out my Excel spreadsheet with all the different schools I want to teach at and mm-hmm. all of their curricula and average SAT and how many saints went there because I'm insane because I think in <laughs> spreadsheets and you know apparently God doesn't really love this about me which is why I'm a hobo um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not bohemian I'm super type A I love control I want everything to be planned mm. and so I like go to this spreadsheet and then I was like I guess I should pray about not teaching like that's not a thing right the last time I prayed about not teaching I literally had a panic attack and almost crashed my car (laughs) so this time I prayed in a chapel just for the common good right and um and I felt this resounding peace yeah yeah which like that's how you know right but it's not always a pleasant thing you know Mm -hmm. because like I feel this resounding peace scary well awesome like what the heck am I supposed to do with that yep (laughs) even master's degree in theology Stacey Mm -hmm. like that no winning personality will get you a second interview at McDonald's. This is not a lucrative <laughs> degree. You know, like, as, as someone yeah. who studies theology, you work in a classroom or you work in a parish, you know? And, like, yeah. beyond that, there, there are other options, but it's just, it's not obvious the way that my life had always sort of been obvious. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to a priest friend of mine, 
And I was like, what am I supposed to do? This is all I've ever wanted to do. It's all I've ever trained for. And mm-hmm. he said, well, you're good at public speaking. You would want to do more of that. And I was like, that's cute, Father. You can't just quit life and be a public speaker. Like, that's not a thing, right? Like, not a career path. And I took it to prayer. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, tell me why not. Mm. And I don't hear voices when I pray, mm-hmm. but sometimes you know exactly what God is mm-hmm. saying. And I'm sitting here like so type A, so achievement oriented, so focused mm-hmm. on impressing all the people all the time and checking off all the boxes. And I'm sitting in prayer and I'm like, yeah, no, I should definitely live out of a car and like just couch surf for the indefinite future. And I always tell people, if you're naturally a bum on the couch and being homeless and unemployed sounds like a bad idea, it's not. Get a job. Right? But if you're... If you find yourself really drawn to something that's totally contrary to your natural inclinations, you got to listen to that. You know, mm-hmm. not necessarily follow, but pay attention and take it to prayer. Except it matters of the heart because your heart is an idiot, right? Like, it matters of the heart. Talk to your mother. Talk to your college roommates. You know, <laughs> yes. like, people are like, I'm not normally into felons. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not but, touch that. <laughs> but when I'm the kind of person, like, I love roots i love consistency i love community i love impressing people and i was like yes girl just wander aimlessly in my car all of those you know like i'll go back to my high school reunion where like half a dozen of my classmates literally work for nasa and i will tell them i live in a car right like and it didn't seem like a terrible idea and Hmm. i just knew that had to be from god because there's no way that i was going to come up with that like it's harder when you're discerning something and you feel drawn to something that you naturally desire, right? There's mm-hmm. there's different yeah. a different way that you have to discern things. And I, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and she was like, God told me that I'm going to be a Christian rock star and play in front of thousands. And I was like, maybe he did or maybe it was a daydream. And it's like right. kind of hard. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to know. Yes, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I receive an invitation for a speaking engagement, this is just me being real. I do. I also like you. I love attention. I love validation. Mm-hmm. I love um, doing things that tell that show people how accomplished and talented I am. That's my natural desire. Mm-hmm. And so, whenever I'm receive a speaking invitation and I accept it, I have to be so careful to make sure that it's not for me. That it's actually going to fit in well with what my family needs right and I have to really open myself up to the possibility that my husband is going to say no this is too much mm-hmm. and to respect that mm-hmm. and instead of pushing and pushing and oh but I can do one more thing I can do one more thing and that's always my inclination too is I can do more yeah. and sometimes I have to really struggle against that and say you know sometimes you just you might need to be just really simple and let things go that mm-hmm. you want to do in order to allow space for your children to be who they want to, you know, who they're going to be. And, um, you know, usually if there's a real pushback of like, this doesn't feel right for our family. And it's not like I turn down speaking invitations often. Let me make that clear too. <laughs> I'm not invited, being invited to speak like 300 days a year or anything like that. It's very, it would be very rare that I would turn down an opportunity. But um, but usually when something doesn't work out, it's because somebody was going to get sick that weekend mm-hmm. and I needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Something was going to happen. Or if I don't get an opportunity, if I don't get an invitation that I wanted, it's because... Um, Right. So we were going to have a life change that I didn't know at the time. Yeah, and God was God just clearing the way. Exactly. God is working. And that's been exactly. a huge thing for me because, mm-hmm. you know, like talking about discernment, I mean, that's like 100% of my life, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. And I have to be, I just have to be aware. So like living out of my car, you know, when I started, I thought it was going to be for two months. Um, it's been. I was going to ask that. Seven years. Yeah. Now. So did you start with any sort of a blueprint or was it no. just. 
there was no precedent. And you weren't, like, taking vows to the bishop like a consecrated single person no. would. It was, this could end any time? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was probably going to be pretty temporary. And then... Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, well, I'll just do it till July. And then July, I was like, well, eh, till October. And then October, I was like, well, January. And then by January, I was like, oh, this is... This is the thing. This is my life. This yeah. is what we're doing. Okay. How did you get from the place of I really like control to I'm not in control and I feel like this is sustainable? Maybe ask me in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I still, I still love a plan and I love knowing mm. what we're doing. And I obviously, like, who doesn't love control, right? Um, <laughs> Even if the way so that great. you love control is by letting somebody else be in control, it's still yeah. like, well, then I have the control of I don't have to make the decision and it's not my fault if things go wrong, right? Yeah. Which is also a way of controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think that for me, the Lord has just shown me again and again that every time he ruins my plans, he's doing something better. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of ruining of my plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's usually not, well, okay. He does a lot of ruining of small plans. He does less ruining of big plans, but it's really big when it happens, when mm. I like enter the convent and then leave. Oh. Or when I petition to be a consecrated virgin and then that doesn't happen. Or, you know, okay. so like. Gotcha. Yeah, like he basically says no to everything <laughs> ever. Wow. Um, which but, is which is hard too, because you prob- I was gonna ask if you feel an inclination to put yourself in some kind of a box. And that's not a bad thing to put yourself in the box mm-hmm. of like, I'm getting married. I'm making this commitment, like to make the big commitment. It sounds like you've explored those. Oh, I very much desire that. And God just keeps saying no. Mm -hmm. Um, Gotcha. So, but like with the, I've seen it enough in little things. And, you know, I canceled hotel room that ends up saving me from being in a riot in Istanbul. Or like I picking a flight out of a totally random city that Mm -hmm. ends up having me text somebody right after she found out that she was in a crisis pregnancy Mm -hmm. and tell her that I was going to come visit her. Or like another time I flew out of a totally random city and I ended up being at somebody's house when she had like a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. I mean like Mm -hmm. legitimately had to be hospitalized. Wow. Um, Wow. And so, and it just happens frequently enough that I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to trust, you know, and it's not necessarily easy in the moment, but when I can remember, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago, I was in California and I was on my way to mass and I go to mass every day, like without Mm -hmm. fail, pitch a fit. Like I, I will like smash down all of the walls in my way because I'm out of control. And so I had like (laughs) planned to go to this mass and I, Checked the website, and then I checked the bulletin, and then I called the office. Oh, I, don't even get me started. And they were like, on- 5.30 mass. Yes, 5.30 mass. Yeah. And I was like, great. So I showed up, and there's a sign on the door from several days earlier that says communion service. And I was like, okay, so I'm speaking at 7. Um, I have to get to mass still. And so I, like, checked masstimes.org, which is my mm. best friend of me because it's a super helpful first step, but usually wrong. And Maybe yep. not usually. Often yep. wrong. <laughs> and so... I, like, text my friend. I'm like, hey, there's a 6.15 mass, and it's probably, like, 20 minutes away, so I'm going to be, like, a little bit late. And she was like, okay, no problem. Like, you know, it was people who knew each other, so it wasn't going to be a huge deal. But, I mean, I'm literally saying, like, I'm going to show up late to my own speaking event. And also, like, ignoring the fact that it was going to be 
like 6.45 in LA. And so like, no, okay. it wasn't going to be 20 minutes. It was yeah. going to be 40 minutes. Like, yeah, process Los this Angeles. Night. So I get all the way up there. I'm on my way into Mass, and I see that she had texted me again before I left. And she was like, actually, there's a much closer Mass that's uh-huh. earlier. Uh-huh. But at that point, it was too late. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, we're just going to have to trust that this, pro- this is providence. And like, God so often shows me what it was that he's been doing that I was kind of like, all right, like, <laughs> What are you going to do? What cool thing is going to happen? And nothing happens. And I was Mm -hmm. like, but something happened. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know what God was doing. Maybe somebody just needed to see a gringa at the Spanish mass. Maybe somebody needed to see my pro-life license plate as I was driving. Maybe somebody Mm -hmm. who was coming to the event just felt like her life was out of control and needed the speaker to be 20 minutes late so she could be like, oh, yeah, a lot of people's lives are out of control. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. that I know what God is doing and how he's providing. What matters is that I know that he is providing. Mm-hmm. And he has so frequently moved in the frustrating circumstances of my life that mm. it's really just faithless that I get so frustrated. Right. You know? Right. And, like, for me, it's not a fear thing. It's an anger thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, something goes wrong, and I'm not like, oh, my gosh, what if I miss my flight? I'm like, I'm freaking going to miss my flight, and I know you're going to make it fine. Like, I know everything's going to work out, but it's not going to be the way that I want. Yep. You know? So it's not, like, <laughs> I identify necessarily so more virtuous than fear. Um, <laughs> but... But God is working in that, you know, and I yes. think gradually he's chipping away at my, like, mm-hmm. automatic anger reactions to be like, remember yeah. how, like, literally every red light of your life I was working? And I'm like, yes. but this light is so red. It's like, okay, and I am still God. <laughs> I'm still God. I'm like, yeah, right. I can't tell you how deeply that resonates with me. It's so... There's so many moments throughout the day, throughout our lives, where it's like, but this thing, or like, but I wanted to do something good for you, mm-hmm. and you're not letting me do it. Mm-hmm. Or I'm trying, we talked about this in my last episode with, um, well, it'll be two episodes ago, uh, Greg Sheffield, the seminarian, where it's like, I never got to even, like, I'm trying to get my children breakfast, I'm trying to do a good thing, mm-hmm. and I catch my son, like, cracking eggs onto the floor, over and over again, no matter how high I put them out of his reach. And so we not like I don't get to serve him breakfast for like a half hour, which was a good thing because I'm busy cleaning mm-hmm. up eggs. And it's like I don't get to do the thing that I wanted to do because there were all these things in the way. Yeah. 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 But, you know, um, I'm so passionate about surrender. I think what you were talking yeah. about as we go in front of God and we tell him what we want over and over again, or we just it's a space in which we can just air our air our desires mm-hmm. to God versus actually listening, which is a, becoming a lost art in our culture, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So for me, when I was on the TV show, actually, right before I went on the show, I received a prayer of surrender in confession. And I think uh, that this priest ended up actually celebrating my wedding mass, which is really cool, even oh. though he lived in a different state, different diocese, ended up being the one to celebrate my wedding mass. But he was the one who gave me the prayer of surrender and confession. Mm-hmm. And it was so life-changing because for the first time in my life, I actually had to literally like hand over every part of myself. And it was such a good prayer for understanding what I was holding back. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you can say, God, I give you everything. But like, really, are you? You know, um, even if you're thinking that you want to, this prayer was really good to go into the 
the details. So I give it away to my subscribers on my website because I'm like, I just want the world to have this. <laughs> Is that Ignatius's prayer of surrender? Take it's a Lord not, and receive? No, okay. it's actually, I've Googled it and it's anonymous. You can find it online, but there's no author okay. to attribute okay. it to. So I don't know who wrote it. I'd love to give them credit, but it was just on a bookmark. It was just called A Prayer of Surrender. And you can Very find cool. it on my website. You can, if you subscribe, or even I wrote a blog post about it okay. called like Surrender Your Discernment Secret Weapon or something mm -hmm. like that. But it's totally, it's it's living in living without that control over mm -hmm. your life and truly giving it to God. And that's hard when you don't know him because you can't trust someone you don't know. Right. So, and that's where that intimate prayer time comes in. Like you said, going to mass every day. Yeah. making that your your bedrock yeah and mm -hmm. being being rooted you know people ask me all the time like how do you know where you're going next and mm. i always joke that when i get to a major interchange i just like close my eyes jesus take the wheel mm. but like you know <laughs> essentially i spend serious time in silent prayer every day and then mm -hmm. i live my life mm -hmm. and i trust that either god is going to form my heart to desire what he desires mm -hmm. or he's going to step in and stop me before mm -hmm. i do something stupid or he's going to fix it Afterwards, you know, I really, yes, I really think I'm gonna go to my judgment, and the Lord is gonna be like, "Baby girl, you thought I wanted you to be a hobo? Like that's not a thing. People don't do that." And I'd be like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry." And he'd be like, "Oh, but honey, you tried so hard. Like it was weird, but man, you tried so hard. <laughs> I just think God is so earnestly pleased yeah. with our efforts mm -hmm. to serve Him, and I think that surrender is a huge part of that. I remember." Yes. My freshman year of college, I went through this like really toxic discernment phase. Um, mm. I would say I was discerning like a thug. You know, I would sort of like grab Jesus by the collar and drag him into an alley and be like, tell me my vocation now. <laughs> Girl, like, we've all done it. What are, you, what are you threatening me with? I'm like, I don't know. but <laughs> Just tell me. Give and me it, a sign. Give me the voice, right. the Charlton Heston yep. voice in the Ten Commandments. Yep. Please, for crying out loud. And Show I was, me a burning bush. I was praying and I just kept praying like, Lord, I just want to know your will. I just mm. want to know your will. And I finally felt the Lord say, and again, I don't hear words in prayer, but I get a strong sense sometimes. Mm -hmm. I felt the Lord say, I don't want you to know my will. I want you to do my will. And I was like, oh, because this oh. whole, like, I want to know your will is still about control. And it's still about me because then yes. I can plan around it and I can, like, sign off and approve. And there's something about that agency, even of, like, God says you have to do that. And you're like, yes, I will. Where you're like, mm -hmm. ah, I am the one who made the choice, you know? Whereas yep. when you're just praying to be in his will, that means that like a traffic accident, mm -hmm. you are in God's will. And like somebody catcalling you on the street, like, is that God's will? No. Does God desire that? No. But like you are held and you are surrounded and the Lord can make mm -hmm. you a saint in and through those circumstances. Yes. And that's a totally different thing from like, all right, Jesus, give me the memo. When I get to it, like I'll sign at the bottom and we'll call it a day. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that is a fantastic lead in to our conversation today, which I feel like we've already been talking about without actually talking uh -huh. about it. This idea of balance. Mm -hmm. So, oh, so as with so many areas of you know, my, my podcast, I, I draw from my own life. And let me tell you, I've been feeling really out of balance. Um, but then I was like, wait a minute, I'm feeling out of balance. What is balance? And I started thinking about what my idea of balance is. And I think there's kind of, there's the world's idea of balance. It's kind of a buzzword. You see it mm -hmm. around Instagram with like hashtag living my best life. Right. And whatever. Self care and all that. Self care, right. lots and lots of stuff about self care nowadays. And it's all about like, 
finding balance, uh, you know, in your life as a mom or finding balance um, by having your daily rituals or mm-hmm. finding balance by like doing, having your daily yoga practice or your meditation time or like to me, balance according to the world seems to be fitting in all of the different things mm-hmm. in a day, all your rituals, all your things that make you feel centered or mm-hmm. make you feel like you can act out of a place of um, groundedness. And I think that's, I think there's truth in it, but I think it can also become something that we become a slave to mm-hmm. where I need my rituals and I need my, um, I, I need my daily workout or else I'm a monster. Right. Yeah, And it's true that like you do need to work out your body, but at the same time, I don't know that God is calling us to have the to have those rituals be the thing that gives us peace and balance like you were saying god himself is the one who's going to mm-hmm. give it to us um and certainly the saints did not live balanced lives according to instagram <laughs> right according to the, the standard of the world yeah, right. i think i mean we we talked about this the other day and i was mm-hmm. like my issue with balance is that i think it's often an excuse for mediocrity mm-hmm. you know and for not pursuing deep holiness you know the people I talk to and I I understand that if you are a mom of young kids like you cannot pray for four hours a day mm-hmm. I understand that like I'm not dumb I have been a foster mother okay like I oh, have had yeah. children I spend all of my life in other people's houses like mm-hmm. I understand that like there are some things that are impossible but like you can make time for half an hour of prayer. Maybe it's in five and 10 minute increments. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's your husband gets home and you're like, hey, like I just need 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But like, think about the amount of time that you spend scrolling mm-hmm. social media, right? Or totally. or just like vegging out in front of Netflix at the end of the day. And I, and I get, I totally get that instinct. But I think a lot of times people are like, well, you know, like just to have a balanced life, I really can't commit to X, Y, and Z right now. And I'm like, okay, right. yes, but like, can you commit to something? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. maybe if you, you know, my sister has seven kids and her oldest is 10. Like she's not gonna go to daily mass. She's not gonna go to <laughs> right. to daily mass every day. Right. But she can maybe go once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, like right, right. Like there are ways to achieve that balance um, while still striving after holiness. Mm-hmm. And it's a tricky thing because, you know, I Saint Leopold Mandic said death by exhaustion is the only death befitting a priest, which huh. I was like, That's so man, yes, and. And I think that sometimes you read the lives of the saints and some people get canonized because they physiologically only need three hours of sleep a night. And so they accomplish a lot of things and everybody's impressed. That doesn't actually make you holier that you only need three hours of sleep a night. But, mm-hmm. you know, I have this yep. friend who I asked him what point at one point if he had like taken any time off and he was like, the saints didn't take time off. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. they did. It was called so- sundown to sun up. Like the saints got a reason most i mean like some of them again didn't need sleep but Mm. a lot of the holy people of times past they had like it was nighttime and there was just nothing else to do you know you couldn't just read by candlelight for six more hours there weren't Mm -hmm. a thousand text messages waiting for you to respond you know i was like okay yes but like also I'm up being present to people on the internet still until like one and two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. you know? So like maybe 
maybe for me balance is going to look different because mm-hmm. for me activity looks different. Yes. Yes. Something that's coming to mind as you're talking is boundaries. Like you're saying being present to people on the internet until one or two in the morning is not a natural thing because mm-hmm. I mean, I love the internet. I'm so grateful for it. It's responsible for so much of the the things that I love, like watching movies or connecting with people. I mm-hmm. love social media, but at the same time, it's a new thing that we everyone's just kind of jumping on board being like yay the internet and then it's like wait a minute whoa we're like slowly slowly catching Mm -hmm. up and I think this idea of boundaries is a huge thing right now and so maybe balance in many ways means boundaries boundaries around okay I'm gonna I'm gonna set aside a half hour for prayer every day and I'm gonna guard that and that Mm -hmm. is gonna be my balance and then whatever else happens I'm gonna still get that half hour for prayer and making sure that we set boundaries around the right things Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because that is definitely like prioritizing is a huge one and I want to throw a recommendation out for a book called Boundaries nice. <laughs> which have you ever read that before? I think I read like the first half and then I was like okay yeah like this makes sense I, this think, makes I'm, sense. I think I'm yeah. good I think I'm good yeah, yeah. oh man it was so so good so good in so many ways for me I read it at a time in my life when I really needed it and I think mm-hmm. it's just required reading for anyone who wants to be a person <laughs> <laughs> I really do so I want to throw that recommendation out and um and I think putting boundaries around the right things. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that? Because this is where I think God comes into the picture, where yeah. we've got the world's idea of balance. And then we've got, what is God's idea of balance? Mm-hmm. What should we protect? Yeah. And I think, I mean, so obviously, like for me, my, what's absolutely sacrosanct in my life is my prayer time, right? Mm-hmm. So like getting a daily mass, getting a daily Eucharistic holy hour, you know, like scripture, rosary, whatever, all of those things. I'm like, this is non-negotiable. This is not an option because I know the minute it becomes negotiable, it becomes optional. Yeah. You know, and I I know that it is, it's impossible Mm -hmm. with my life to get to daily mass unless it's Mm non-negotiable. And then suddenly it's possible, right? So like those boundaries for me are things where I'm like, look, I know I'm going to come off as a diva and I know that, that it just feels super needy that I'm like, no, you actually have to get me to mass when I'm like traveling to another country and speaking or whatever. But I'm like, I just can't. Like, I just, I can't. Yeah. I won't survive if I'm not profoundly committed mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's that kind of boundary, right? And yeah. saying like, these are things that are essential in my life, even when I don't want them. Mm -hmm. because I know they're good for me. And for some people, that is going to be exercise. For me, it's really, really not. Um, For some people, that is going to be a certain amount of sleep. Those things where you're like, it might be more fun to stay up and watch Netflix, but I know that I need this, and so I'm going to make this real for myself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the boundaries are around things that, like, you really want to do, but you know are unhealthy for you. You know, Mm -hmm. like the people I know who really love Instagram, and so they quit because they Mm -hmm. know that it's... That it's a toxic situation for them. Yeah, totally. Um, and then there are the boundaries that I think with relationships that are the hardest, right? Yeah. And trying to figure out like how much is okay in mm. this. For me, it was a huge thing to realize because you know I come into somebody's life, I've never met you before. Mm. You don't ever have to see me again if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. People spill all their junk, and I am by grace a good listener I am not by nature a good listener it's like decidedly a charism which has been really that's intriguing cool. to watch that develop um, yeah, I mean years cool. ago it developed and now it's like my thing like I'm mm. I'm a great listener and I like give good advice and I just like pray with people and I love them and I'll mm. do it for like hours and hours and hours every week uh, awesome. but it took a long time to realize that I could 
shoulder people's burdens with them for an hour and then put them down. That there are some people in my life where I have to keep carrying their burden because they're like my best friend or, you know, my sibling or whatever. But a lot of people, I can just love them and be present to them there and put it down and come back in a year and pick it up again and walk with you for a week Mm -hmm. and then put it down. Like that was a huge thing for me. Was it hard for you to put the burden down? Okay, gotcha. So you carry it with you. Oh my gosh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember a couple of years into hoboing, I remember it was November, I don't remember why. I know that, but (laughs) I uh, was just crushed under the weight of all of the ugliness of the things that people had shared with me over the past few months. And I Mm. just, I like couldn't see, I couldn't imagine that anybody's life was happy Mm. because everybody that I was walking with was sharing this ugliness. And And at a certain point I was like, wait a minute, it doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good for me still to be unhappy about this. You know, mm-hmm. and there are some people where I have to keep walking with them, mm-hmm. but mostly I don't. And even the ones that I'd have to keep walking with, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I've got people who I know, if they text me late at night, I just can't read it. Because right. then like they're gonna see, especially like Facebook messages where they can see that you read it. Um, they're gonna yeah. see that I read it and then I need to respond and then they're gonna respond back. And I'm like, nope, I have to, I have time right now but this is not what I'm going to use my time for because I need to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of boundary, that's really hard for me because it does feel selfish to say mm. this person needs somebody and it really should be me, but I can't do this right now. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. It's actually, as you were talking, I think that's interesting because I actually, I feel like it gives me life as a speaker <clears throat> when people reach out to me for um, advice or counsel or whatever. And I love, I do feel like it's part of my charism that listening to people, but knowing that I don't have to walk with them every single day Mm -hmm. is actually like, somehow it really gives me life and I feel so privileged. Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting thing. And I think that's part of the incredible um, like honor of being a podcaster is like, People feel like they know you, and so they want to tell you everything. Right. And, and I, I really love that and actually really gives me life. But I can see how if you're living in that and you're hearing it a lot because it's your whole life, mm-hmm. that would be really hard. And, it's, yeah. and yeah, that is a discernment unto itself to learn when setting boundaries around your time. I think there's a lot of people who feel like they're running around and accomplishing nothing. And in fact, that was one of my one of my listeners. She's like, I feel like I'm doing so many things, but I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. or I'm just never getting anything done. And this especially relates to my life when I was living in New York City, because there is always a cocktail party. There is always a gala. There is always some young adult event at a church. There's always something happening every single night of the week. And uh, crazy as it sounds, I know this is not most areas of the country um, with young adult Catholics, but there would be four or five events every night each weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to discern which one I was going to go to. Right. And the option of like not going to an event almost wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. It was like, which party are you going to? And then at a certain point, I was like, I've been to a party every weekend. I've been to multiple parties every weekend. Sometimes I'd party hop and go to four parties mm-hmm. every weekend mm-hmm. for months. And then I was like, what is it doing? What is it? What is it doing? So what would your advice be to people who are like running around doing a lot, but feeling like they're accomplishing nothing? Yeah. I mean, I think that it is a very American inclination to Mm -hmm. just be very busy, right? To Mm. do 
all the things mm-hmm. to check all the boxes and some of that you just kind of have to know who you are some mm-hmm. people just don't want to ever do anything and some people want to do all the things mm-hmm. take it to prayer and sit with the lord and just be like lord draw my heart to the things that you want me to do mm-hmm. and help me to do those well and mm-hmm. really to give glory to your name by the by the way that i'm diving in and i'm handing my heart over to these groups to this devotional to these relationships you know whatever it is for you and and give me the humility to -hmm. let go Mm -hmm. of the things that you're not drawing me to because a lot of times that's what it is i mean i am i don't i don't quit things right like i don't quit things commit ever um and so you know for a long time people would be like well how do you how do you really commit to prayer? And I was just like, oh, you just decide that you're going to do something and then you do it every day until you die. I'm sorry, what, what was the question? Because <laughs> that's just that's just the way that I am. I hope you are loving listening to Meg as much as I am. I wanted to take a quick time out to tell you about today's episode sponsor, the Carmelite Sisters of Baltimore. These sisters are the very first community of women religious in the 13 colonies and the first Carmelite order in all of North America, founded in 1790, so you know they're doing something right. I loved reading these sisters' descriptions of their order, which they say is, Seized by the unconditional love of Jesus Christ and a lord to the mountaintop, the sisters embrace the mystical flame of contemplation as their life's grounding. Wow, that is beautiful. The Carmelite Sisters have regular discernment retreats throughout the year that you won't want to miss, so take action right now and you can look them up at baltimorecarmel.org. Or again, follow the link in my show notes on my website, stacysummerow.com. I was so moved by one sister's testimony uh, from the Carmelite Sisters. She said, are you willing to follow Christ wherever he may lead you? Or do you set limits on where you will go? We should take that challenge very personally and I give it to you today. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain by exploring a vocation with the sisters. Also, before we head back to the episode, I just wanted to remind you once again that if you go to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated, you can take me out for a latte. And for $5 a month, you can become a caffeinated crony, which helps support my ministry. This is so important for me because I am a, a mother um, and I need to su- help support my family. Um, Also, I pay my sound editor, JF, who is a wonderful Catholic husband and father. I pay him for every episode. So I would love to be able to not only make back what I spend every month, but also put a little bit of money in my pocket as well to help support my family with my ministry. So your support means so much to me. It really, really means the world to me. And we're forming a wonderful clan of amazing people over at Patreon. Don't forget also, by the time September 5th rolls around, that special is going to be up. So go get your t-shirt. You can wear it proudly and rep what you believe. Okay, back to the episode. Um, And so I remember my junior year, junior, senior year of college, I was in this choir and I was just so burnt out. Unlike Mm -hmm. all of life, I was singing 18 hours a week with all of the different choirs that I was in. And I was in this one that was like six hours of rehearsal a week plus singing at mass every Sunday. And you had to be there at 8 a.m. on Sundays. And I am not a morning person and like even less so in college. And so I would cry every time that I had to go to rehearsal. Mm -hmm. I would cry every time. And on Saturday nights before my Sunday 8 a.m. call, I would look at my roommate and I would be like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna eat something that I'm allergic to. 
and then I'll have an anaphylactic reaction, and then I won't have to go to the choir. Oh and she gosh. was like, quit the choir. And I was like, no, I don't quit things. And then she, like, the next weekend, I was like, I, okay, so it's snowing, so I'm just going to, like, lie down in the snow for a little while and, like, get pneumonia, and then... <clears throat> then I won't have to go to choir. And she's like, just quit choir. And I was like, I don't quit things. And, uh, you know, like, God love my roommate. She's still a really good friend of mine. And she just kept, like, pushing. She was like, this is obviously unhealthy. You obviously don't want to do it. And I was like, just because you don't want to do things doesn't mean you quit them, which is true. Like, it's really, really true. But not necessarily about, like, a choir, right? Right, right. And so right. I was like, fine. I'll pray the novena to St. Therese. And I was like, okay, God, give me a sign, right? Give me a sign. Uh, and so I was praying for white roses if God wanted me to quit the choir. I was like, I'm going to make it very, very specific, specific so that then I don't have to quit because I'm not a quitter. <laughs> and on, and so like I'm in college, right? So mm -hmm. like how many roses did you ever see in college? Like none, right? Pretty like much maybe, none. No. Maybe at a formal, yeah. somebody's date gave her a corsage, but even then, not right. really because it's, it's not like high school. It's like carnation land because yeah. you're poor so, in Right, exactly. <laughs> so um, I... Prayed this novena, and uh, I was like, this is dumb. Like, I don't I don't need a sign. Um, and then on day nine of the novena, mm -hmm. my roommate's boyfriend gave her yellow roses. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's not a white rose. And she was like, but it is a rose. And I was like, but it's not a white rose. And she's like, but it is a rose. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, like, you don't need a sign. Look, I could give you a sign mm -hmm. if I wanted to give you a sign. This is an anti-sign so that you just grow up and make a decision. Like, make it, yeah. just make a decision. Just choose something, you mm -hmm. know? And, like, finally I did end up quitting the choir because I was like, okay, yeah, let me look at this. And and from these principles of discernment, if something is not compulsory and it's not particularly fruitful and it makes you want to be dead, <laughs> you can quit that thing. Yep. Like, it's Optional. okay. It's yeah, okay absolutely. to say, I don't have to do this extracurricular activity until I die. Yep. But it was really, it was really helpful for me just to have that experience with the novena yeah. where the Lord was like, no, stop it. I'm not going to make all your decisions for you. Like, discernment yeah. is not... And this was a huge thing for me in college. Like, if we want to be in God's will, shouldn't we be waiting for God to lead all the time? Mm -hmm. And I had a girlfriend who was like, you can't just stand at an intersection on the quad and wait for God to tell you which sidewalk to take. Yep. You just have to go to class. And you have to trust mm -hmm. that you're going to be in the right place if you're doing broadly what you know God is calling you to do. Absolutely. And so I think a lot of times discernment, like, you can be... Praying that the Lord will guide your heart to desire what he desires, mm -hmm. not so much obsessing over his will, but like giving him that space to move. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point you just gotta make a choice. Yep. Totally. And you have you just have to cut things out of your life if if you don't feel like the Lord is specifically calling you to it and you need balance. Like what mm -hmm. you need for balance is you need to make room for a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. So Francis DeSales yeah. said, Everybody needs half an hour of prayer every day, unless you're busy. And then you need an hour. <laughs> I love that. Right? Because every that. time you're like, ha then I'm good. 15 minutes? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. no. Mm -mm. An hour. So I think That's the awesome. balance is a matter of figuring out, like, yeah, what things do you need physically to be healthy? and mm -hmm. But figuring out how you can cut down things that aren't essential for mm -hmm. your soul so that you can do things that are essential for your soul, yeah. like make time for prayer. Right. I mean, if you're praying half an hour a day, that is 2% of your life. That is mm -hmm. 2%. Yeah. 
Like you can yeah. give God 2%. Absolutely. And it requires sacrifice and it requires Daniel Tiger on repeat maybe. Like I don't know what it requires for different people, <laughs> but it can be done. It can and be not done. just like yeah. novenas and rosaries and scripture like those are really good things mm-hmm. but silence yeah. just being still and that awkward discomfort before the lord where maybe he has nothing to say for like 15 years mm-hmm. yeah. and how beautiful to be faithful to that yes you know and just I think, give him the space exactly mm-hmm. and if he has nothing to say like that's not on you right right like you've given it pregame with coffee Set yourself up someplace where you're not going to fall asleep or be distracted Mm -hmm. and give God that space to speak. And I really think that if you go to prayer and you're still before the Lord every day for 50 years and you get nothing, you hear nothing, I think you're going to go to your judgment and the angels are going to shake with wonder before you. Mm. And Jesus is going to be like, I cannot believe you stayed faithful of that. That was incredible. Mm. Like the Lord is so delighted when we give him that time especially when it's not fun or pleasant or seemingly fruitful because it's about real relationship not about what we get out of it yeah oh man it's a gift yeah it's a it's your gift to Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. yeah time is is about the only thing that you can give him that's so yeah exactly yeah your time and your will Mm-hmm. You will, definitely. Yeah. As you were talking, I was re- recalling again in Boundaries, this book that I love so much, that <laughs> the, the par- one of the parts I'll never forget is they described the day of a very busy woman who had no boundaries. It was like, this is what a boundaryless life looks like. And she was kind of, um, like you described that one point in your life, she was a slave to the things that she felt she needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I do want to challenge anyone listening here who's like, but I have to do this. No, you don't really have to do mm-hmm. that much. Right. Even, you have to feed your children. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah, know what? Do you Even have to build that, your own flower? Do you? <laughs> like you do. And you don't have to have chickens. <laughs> Just because you're a Catholic woman doesn't mean you have to have chickens. If you want to have chickens, fine, whatever. But or like, use essential oils. Right. All of these things that like yes. are just boxes we feel we have to check so that we measure up. Women especially. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Because we don't feel that we have the right to exist in this world. Mm-hmm. We, we feel guilt for taking up space. And so if we yes. can check all the right boxes and wear the right things and say the right things and totally. gram the right things and eat the right things mm-hmm. and have all all of the appropriate liturgical cupcakes and you're like no like, <laughs> you are catholic there are no boxes like right. saint mary of egypt and venerable uh, uh cornelia Connolly, like they did not fit in any of the same boxes there was mm. nothing except that they were wild for jesus yes yep and i think <laughs> it, you can sometimes categorize it like well uh, I know as a single young adult in new york i was like well i have to invest in catholic community does that mean I have to go to every party? No. Right. What that really means is I have to be intentional and going out for brunch with one person and mm-hmm. having a meaningful conversation I found over time was so much more meaningful than going to somebody's house where everyone's having drinks and you stay at very surface level mm-hmm. conversations and it's much more about just chatting. And then now as a mom, I do feel that that sometimes that pressure of like, well, you know, we've got to have our balanced meals Mm -hmm. and we have to do, you know, I have to do my freezer meals, you know, keep up with the Joneses in all these different ways. Like you said, the liturgical cupcakes. And it's like, well, no, that family isn't my family, Mm -hmm. that that other family over there. And (laughs) yeah, there are so many like uh, mom 
ritual, DIY, liturgical living. And I think mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I know people who like get really depressed because they can't keep up yes. with the mom bloggers yes. who are doing all these incredible things and probably have nannies for their children so that they can blog. <laughs> or even if they don't, like even the ones who are straight up like doing it all themselves, mm-hmm. it's because that is life giving to them. Right. 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 And so like, you know, I'll have people sometimes who are like, oh, I hate to, I hate to just like pour my mess on you. And I'm like, no, no, like deep, meaningful conversations are life-giving to me. Mm -hmm. Like if you Mm want to do small talk, I will gladly curl up in a ball and die because I can't, (laughs) you know, like the things that some people find really heavy, you know, people are like, well, Ken, is it okay to schedule you for two or three talks in one day? And I'm like, look, if I'm going to be pouring out my heart by being present to people, I might as well be doing it for 50 people as, you know, Mm -hmm. as one. Mm -hmm. That is life-giving to me. Like, giving talks is the way that I encounter the Holy Spirit. And, like, the Lord speaks to me, and I'm like, oh, my God, I say something out loud. I'm like, wow, I've never thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. Whereas, like, writing emails sucks all the life out of me. Mm -hmm. And I've been known, like, I had a, a girl one time email me with all of these really amazing questions about like what it is to be a woman in the church and all of this mm. and I wrote back and I just said where do you live and she wrote back and she was like Toledo Ohio and I said great can I come for lunch tomorrow mm-hmm. because I like just happened to be driving through and like mm-hmm. I will so so gladly sit and talk to you yeah. for four hours but do not ask me to spend 20 minutes on an email right you know and totally. so just knowing that I mean Jennifer Fulweiler talks about your blue flame right but right. also knowing about the things that really suck all of the joy out of your life and saying mm-hmm. like okay so like maybe meal prep isn't a thing that is life-giving to you for some people it really is because oh, it's totally. so like I can accomplish this and it's totally. just like mindless and like really soothing you know what like if you need a hello fresh subscription to be a good wife and mother girl Get it. It does not make you less successful Mm -hmm. as a person. Or if you need your husband to work full time and also do the cooking, like that doesn't make you less of a person, less of a woman, less of a wife, like none of that. It's so important to figure out like what is life giving to you and what Mm -hmm. is soul sucking for you and Mm -hmm. to talk to other members of your community. Because like, I mean, I know that my sister and I once were like, because I hate washing dishes. I hate, hate hate washing dishes like I'll do laundry Mm -hmm. all day I hate washing dishes Mm -hmm. she hates putting dishes away but I had been doing the dishes because I felt this sense of guilt and Mm. she had been putting them away because she felt a sense of guilt yeah and then all of a sudden we were like wait a minute you do the dishes because you don't mind and I'll put them away because I don't mind and then like we could be happy and accomplish things that need to be accomplished because we yeah. recognized what was hardest for us and mm-hmm. voiced it instead of having this like Christian martyr complex. Yes, oh where my like gosh. somehow you're a Obligation. better person by doing things that you hate. Like, right? Okay, sometimes you have to do things you hate, but mm-hmm. sometimes also you can figure out like which things you love mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you can do those things too. Uh, I know, isn't that nice? Yeah, <laughs> it's and like God things- actually does want you to do things you love. Right. Yeah. And Give which things you can permission. outsource. You know, yes. like I tell people all the yes. time. So I have a podcast, uh, if you Google Hobo for Christ, and I have mm-hmm. a bunch of episodes where I tell saint stories to kids. Yeah. And I'm like, look, mm-hmm. you don't need to know all the random obscure details about random obscure saints. And you don't need to be able to tell those stories well. Some people just aren't storytellers. Mm. You can outsource that to my podcast. <laughs> like, I have outsourced myself before. Like I one time <laughs> yes. was doing bedtime with a bunch of little kids and I was like if you guys get ready really fast we can listen to a podcast and so they got ready really fast and then we just 
snuggled on the couch and I hit play. Nice. And I got like all of the benefit of having told them the story without yeah. any of the effort. Nice. And I was like, see this. This, this is, is it. my parenting this cat is right here. Yes, totally. When my when I was living in upstate New York, I had my kids um, go to a babysitter eight hours a week. Nice. And you know what? I felt so much guilt about it at first sure. because it was like, they don't know this person. What if this person, like it was a group home, so there were like three babysitters watching about 10 kids. Okay. And I was like, what if they don't get their needs taken care of? What if it's like a terrible situation, you know? And, and I was so like guilty at first and they'd cry when I left. But I'd come back and I'd pick them up and the woman who's babysitting was like, yes, I made homemade lasagna and bread in the bread maker today. And I'm like, I never make bread in the bread maker. <laughs> like my kids are eating better at this person's house. And she said, yeah, they, they were busy. They were happy. My kids were so calm and so well behaved for this mm -hmm. woman. And they got to play with other toys and other friends. Mommy got to go away and have two mornings a week to myself yeah. to do the things that give me life. And you know what? At the end of the day, like I did not have to feel guilty for a second no. about it. But because I thought... I have to be the mother who does it all. I have to be the committed mother who is the stay-at-home mm -hmm. mom who always is always present to her children. And I'm like, well, but I'm a better mom when I have two mornings a week to yeah. myself. And I can I can let that be. That is my balance. Yeah, that's, and just recognizing okay. what's healthy for you. Like, I yeah. had a girlfriend who she was, God love her, she really struggles with, like, um, imposter syndrome and feeling like she's oh, inadequate. She's totally. getting a PhD from Cornell. Oh, girl. And she thinks that she's not intelligent, right? Like that that kind of thing. Yeah. You're just like, oh, baby girl, like you're amazing though. And she was feeling so much guilt when she was going back to mm. get her PhD and she was putting her daughter in daycare and I was like, honey, you are a better mom mm -hmm. when you are working. Some people are better moms when yes. they're home full time. Some people are better moms when they're working part time. Mm -hmm. Some people are better moms when they're working full time. Like yes. she was one where when she was home full time with her daughter, it just she didn't have that adult stimulation. It just sucked all the life out of her. She was mm -hmm. exhausted all the time. Mm -hmm. She didn't have anything to offer. She felt so guilty about her home being a wreck. Like all of that, right? Oh yeah. When she was working mm -hmm. part time, she got that like stimulation. Mm -hmm. And then because she had been away, she like really wanted to be focused and present with her daughter oh, totally. and so she was able to really invest and like mm -hmm. when things slipped in the house she didn't feel guilt about it because mm -hmm. she was like okay but also I'm working and you know so for her right, that right. was a really healthy balance and Absolutely. I think you know again it's this like list of things you have to do to be a good Catholic woman and yeah. like being a full-time stay-at-home mom is on there and I'm like okay Here's the thing. Saint Gianna Mola was a working mom. Saint Zelly. Saint Zelly yeah, as Saint well. Saint Zelly worked from home. She sent right? her daughters to boarding school. Yeah. So that she, <laughs> she could get stuff them. done. Yeah. She saw them for like two months out of the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did she really? I think so. It was like because we read um, a book of her letters to her and Louis, and it was like. You know, we can't see Celine for another month. She has to stay at the convent or what? You know, they'd visit, mm -hmm. but it was like they were very rarely actually at home right. with their parents. Right. Yeah. And that uh, seems to have worked out okay for everybody. <laughs> it seems like you know everybody's maybe getting like canonized. Five saints in the family. Yeah. Six, seven, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. The babies in heaven we're are all saints. Right. We're still just at three canonized. We yeah. got one more cause on the way. I think <laughs> no. we'll probably open the other three girls at some point just to like yeah know, and complete that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. We'll just complete that circle. And and she was such a successful lace maker that her husband actually left his watchmaking business in order to join mm -hmm. her in her lace making business. So she she actually you know was was kind of the breadwinner for you know she kind of like her business took off 
and it got so successful that it became the family business, which wow. I think is fascinating. And that's like 18, what was that, like 1870 or something? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. And you said St. Gian, and, and I'm not telling moms you should ever feel guilty about being home because there's that side of right. the coin too. Right, exactly, from it's the secular just, world. Exactly. It's just getting rid of the expectation that mm-hmm. I have to be this kind of person who does these things, or I have to do these things in order to be this kind of person, mm-hmm. which is what a good person is. Right. And it's totally whatever God wants me to be, which chances are it's going to be a lot more humbling, probably mm. less validation from people than you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're like me, <laughs> probably much less in control than you'd like, but, but also much more like fulfilled and like happy than we sometimes would like to believe. Like sometimes it's really mm-hmm. hard to believe that God actually wants us to do the things that we love. This is why, I love the saints so much mm. is because you just see this incredible diversity yeah. of who these men and women are. Mm. And you see, you know, I think like if you're a woman who's living with infertility to look at Blessed Victoire Roswell Manarivo, who um, she was a Malagasy saint. So she was from Madagascar okay. and um, she and her husband never had children. He mm. was atrocious. So it may not have been like purely medical infertility that, mm. that made that happen. Um, it may also have been difficulties in their marriage, but like mm. he was awful, and uh, and she like she's living in this society that measures women by their fertility. Yeah, um, but totally. because she had no children, she was able to run the church when all of the missionaries were kicked out of the mm. country, and because she didn't have to like be afraid of what might happen to her kids if mm-hmm. she got killed, she was able to have this courage wow. and like face down an armed guard who was trying to keep people out of the church. Wow. And, you know, I mean, like just seeing the fruitfulness mm-hmm. of her life yep. in the middle, in the midst of that infertility, you yeah, know, or looking, cool. looking at saints who had like really terrible tempers and God made them saints in and through that, you know, and some of mm-hmm. it's like a St. Francis de Sales who had a terrible temper and you would never have known it mm-hmm. except from his journals. Uh, because he just had such mastery over his temper. And some wow. of it's a St. Jerome who never managed to control himself, mm. ever. But, like, you know, I always think about Jerome. There's a, a story told of him. It might be apocryphal. I haven't been able to find it verified anywhere. That mm. on his deathbed, he prayed, Lord, when will you free me of my temper? And the Lord mm. said, not yet. And just <sighs> to see that, like, yes. there are times when God leaves us in our our habitual temptation Mm -hmm. because he's doing something better through that. Like Jerome, Mm -hmm. if he had been, if he had been able to conquer his temper would have been smug and arrogant and mediocre and maybe gone to hell. Mm -hmm. But because he just kept falling and just kept repenting Mm -hmm. and just kept fighting, like it was the fight that made him a saint. So I think that's a big thing Mm -hmm. in discernment too, is recognizing that like, it's not about, what's easiest for you you know it's Mm -hmm. it's about the way that the lord is rubbing off your rough edges about the cross Mm -hmm. not the cross that's lightest but the cross that was made to fit your shoulder Mm. and i think a lot of times you may be Mm. living a really heavy hard painful cross but it's the cross that you need to be strengthened to be a real follower of Jesus. Whereas if you throw that aside and you 
grab some, you know, light toothpick cross, maybe you end up with just a light cross. Probably it turns out to be like poisoned or something and it's just really bad for you. Like the cross <laughs> that we choose for ourselves, like ends up usually being much harder than the cross God has for us. But also yeah. it's a, it's hard in an unfruitful way. Mm-hmm. The cross that God has designed for you is hard in a way that bears fruit, that mm-hmm. strengthens you, that makes mm-hmm. it possible for you to follow after the Lord, as opposed to crushingly hard, totally. the way the crosses that we manufacture for ourselves are. Dang, that was deep. That was really good. <laughs> I'm just going to be chewing on that all day. You know, the saint you mentioned from Africa, I'm going to need, I'm going to like text you and have you text me her name Mm -hmm. just because that rolled off your tongue so beautifully. You obviously know her very well. She's obviously a good friend of yours and you've said her name a lot of times, but I'll put that in the show notes that people can maybe like, um, I'm sure there's a page somewhere online about her life. Yeah, if you, especially if you look her up with my name, you'll find the article that I wrote. So at least it won't be boring. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So any other saints you want to share for discernment? Oh, man. I mean, I kind of feel like that's part of what it is to be a saint, right? Is mm-hmm. that you're you're in God's will, whether or not you're mm-hmm. figuring it out, mm-hmm. you're, you're there in God's will. I really like um, Blessed Saturnina. Oh, um, Saturnina. Like Saturnina. S-A-T-U-R-N-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool name. Yeah, if anybody's mm-hmm. looking for a baby name. Um, so, <laughs> Blessed Saturnina actually wasn't, um, she wasn't by nature very good at, di- at discernment. So, she was a Latin American saint. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really felt that God was calling her to be an active religious. But mm-hmm. at, at the time, in her country, they were only cloistered religious. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, okay, well, like that's obviously not going to be an option. Like I know that that isn't what God is calling me to. Um, so she's living in Argentina. She, her her full name is Blessed Saturnina Rodriguez de Zavalia. Um And there was this guy who fell in love with her, and her spiritual director Mm -hmm. was like, look, you can't be an active religious. That's not an option, so just marry him. And she was like, but this is where God is calling me. And Mm -hmm. he was like, well, it doesn't matter. Just marry this guy. Turns out the spiritual director and this guy were really good friends, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like a little bit sketchy, right? Yeah. And she was like, no, I really think that God is calling me to be an active Religious, And so, like, mm-hmm. normally, you would be like, okay, well, I'll found an active community. Because this wasn't, like, this is in the 19th century. This wasn't in a time when there were no active communities. There just right. were no active communities in Argentina. In so you either leave the country or you found one. Like, that's fine. Those are both really good options. Mm-hmm. This man, though, threatened to commit suicide if she refused to marry him. And her well, spiritual... That's a good way to get a wife. Right? right? Yeah. Right? Let's just good put job. this out there real quick. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if someone tells you that if you break up with them, they'll kill themselves, that is not on you. That is not yours to deal with. That is abusive behavior. Oh, and man. it is going to become worse. Like, you need distance. So actually, um, Venerable <laughs> Margaret Sinclair had a guy do the same thing. Dang. Where he said, I'll kill myself if you don't marry me. And she was like, that's not on me. And she broke up with him. And she entered uh, religious life. And he ended up testifying in her cause for canonization. Um, I was like, yeah, actually, I was being a jerk. But Saturnina, like, (laughs) she, I mean, she's praying about it, but she's, like, hearing this one thing from uh, this guy who's into her and from Mm -hmm. her spiritual director, and she doesn't know how to push past that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she ended up marrying this guy. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and I don't expect that it was a terribly healthy marriage. It only lasted for 12 years before he died, but she became a stepmother in that. Mm -hmm. And so she had these two stepchildren. She had one child who was either stillborn or died right after birth. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like her fertility was not, you know, maybe a, maybe a combination of the two of them, but she, she didn't have this whole house full of children, but she did become a mother, um, mm -hmm. both through her own physical child, but also like as being a stepmother. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually when her husband died, um, she, she founded a religious order called the Slaves of the Heart of Jesus, and it was an active religious order, and there was all this, like, opposition, but she, mm. like, persevered through this opposition, and she ended up, you know, like, establishing this order that I think 200 different women entered um, by the time of her death. Like, wow. Like, just really did wow. this beautiful work, but it was through... I mean, probably making the wrong choice. Like, I think it's yeah. I think it's safe to say if a man threatens to kill himself if you don't marry him, and then he manipulates your spiritual director to tell you what to do, I think it's safe to say that, like, that is not the thing that you should do. Right. Right? But <laughs> yes. she was earnestly seeking the Lord, and the Lord mm -hmm. blessed her in that, and he gave her this motherhood. He gave her these two stepchildren, mm -hmm. and then, like, worked things out in such a way that she was able, ultimately... Um, to found this religious community that maybe maybe it wouldn't have worked out yeah. if she had tried in the beginning. You know, there, there's mm -hmm. no way of looking back and saying, well, mm. what might have been? There's mm. only looking at this and saying, like, how good God is that he was working in the midst of all this. Absolutely. And God can make, even if you make the wrong choice, because I've encountered this, mm -hmm. kind of this idea that if you marry the wrong person or if you choose the wrong vocation, you, that's it. It's toast. And if you aren't hearing God's voice, that means that you aren't listening hard mm -hmm. enough. And then it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And so people are, that's paralyzing. That leads to uh, fear, which God doesn't really want us to make a choice like who to marry out of fear. But right. obviously she did. And like, oh, what a cool thing that God still worked through that and did fulfill the deepest desires of her mm -hmm. heart. So I just think there's a lot of hope in that, yeah. actually. And just recognizing that like, God is not a leprechaun sending you on a sadistic scavenger hunt where he like sends you signs and if you don't catch them then he's like ha 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 never, right. I'll never be happy like I think a lot of times you make an irrevocable choice and God is like ooh okay well that is gonna be harder but alright let's go here yeah. we go you yeah. know like I had a woman one time email me and she was like I, I think I married the wrong man mm. um, and she's like telling me all these circumstances and you know, and I totally heard where she was coming from, but I wrote back and I was like, with all due respect and gentleness, who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, because she's married to a good guy. Like, he wasn't yeah. he wasn't abusive, right? That's a different situation where, like, maybe you married the wrong man and also he's cruel and you have to get out. And maybe then, like, you're right. just married and don't ever get to marry somebody else, but you've separated from this man, right? Mm -hmm. But this was like, he's a really good guy. I just mm -hmm. feel like I should have married someone else. And I was like, but you didn't. Right. Like you married him. Right. And so this is now the man that you're called to be married to. And yeah. God is going to bless that. And he's going to work in that. Yeah. And, and I think that it makes discernment so much easier when you mm -hmm. recognize that you just can't really mess up God's plan for you that bad. Except by mortal sin. And even then there's confession, right? But if you're Absolutely. if you're really seeking the Lord and you're a total idiot about it, like that's okay. Yeah. He can work with that and he yeah. can make beautiful things happen. Absolutely. Um, the other saint I really love for... 
discernment right now is St. Camillus de Lellis. Mm. Um, so he was that a, a cool name. Yes. Any pregnant ladies yes. out there? Um, right, exactly. I don't know. I don't Camillus. Know. This is my son Camillus. Um, maybe Camille for a little girl in his yeah, own. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, you know, name your kid Camillus. Do it. Whatever. I'd respect that kid. Yeah. So, I mean, so Camillus was a 16th century Italian man and mm. his mom was, you know, a good woman but just like tired and weak in the face of the husband that she had chosen and his dad was just a disaster he was he was a drunk and he was a gambler and he was a womanizer and he was a mercenary and Camillus just wanted to grow up to be like his daddy Mm -hmm. and so when he got to be like 12 or 13 he went out soldiering with his dad and they would gamble together and Mm -hmm. they would you know use and abuse women together and he was like a super violent guy um he was a huge guy, like six foot five in 16th wow. century France, right? Or Italy. So that's when everyone was smaller right, Everybody else anyway. is five foot five. Yeah. Um, he's six foot five. Dang. And he, so he and his dad lived like this for, I don't know, maybe a decade. And then his dad um, got sick or was injured and he was in danger of death. And they didn't know Jesus, but they were Italian. So they called a priest mm-hmm. and his dad received the sacraments before he died. And Camillus was just like, oh shoot, like what if... What if I don't receive the sacraments before I die? Like, if I died right now, I would go to hell. And so he talked Mm -hmm. to this man who was founding a, or building a Franciscan friary. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey, do you just want to come work construction? Camillus was like, yeah, maybe. So he's talking to his buddy, and his buddy's just this, like, you know, loser that he runs around using women with. And he's like, yeah, I think I might go and just work construction for a while instead instead of doing the soldier thing. And his buddy was like, that's stupid, like... That's a that's a convent. Like, there's no women there. Like, that's just that's just where the friars are. That's stupid. And he was like, Yeah, yeah, I know that's stupid. I was just kidding. Like, was just, never mind. <laughs> and he like he knew where God was calling him, but yeah. he couldn't. He didn't have the courage to follow that call. And mm-hmm. so he he like went off with his buddy, and they're like leaving town, and they're walking, and they're like twelve miles out of town. And Camillus has just been thinking this whole time. And he's like, mm-hmm. "What if this is my last chance? What if this is my last chance?" And his buddy's just talking. He's in the middle of a sentence, and six foot five Camillus Delellis turns on his heel and sprints the other direction. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not a runner, so anytime I hear about saints running, I'm like, "Wow, you must have really meant it." Um, <laughs> but like, I love, I love that that the Lord was still working and was still tugging at him and that he had the courage then to turn and run, that he knew he couldn't argue with his friend. He just had to run Mm -hmm. from that temptation. So then he goes and he, like, is working construction. He's like, oh, I really like it here. I think I'm going to become a Franciscan. So he enters the Franciscans and he has this wound on his leg and it gets, like, infected and it gets really bad and they're like, hey, you got to go get that taken care of. Like, you can't. You can't just live here with that. And he's like, okay. So he leaves, and he gets his wound treated, and he's doing better. He goes back to the Franciscans, and his wound gets infected again. Mm. So he leaves, and he gets it treated. He goes back to the Franciscans. His wound gets infected again. And they're like, hey, so that might be God. Mm. Like, that might be the way the Lord is saying this is not where you're supposed to be. And so recognizing Mm. that sometimes circumstances and roadblocks are not something to push past, but to recognize that the Lord is saying, this is not where you need to be right now. Mm -hmm. And and consenting to that even when it's against your desires. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay. So he goes to to the hospital where he kept going when he uh, when his injury was bad, and he was like, I guess I'll volunteer here for a while. And he, you know, he would stay and volunteer, and he he was doing really well. He was making good choices. And then every once in a while, he'd be like, okay, like this is dumb. Like mm. I, I should like live my own life. I should go and be an adult, right? 
And he would leave the hospital and he would fall into the wrong crowd and he would start making bad choices. So then he would realize what he was doing. He would go back to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And again, like the Lord was telling him, like, this is where you need to be. And he mm-hmm. was like, no, 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 but like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. The Lord was like, you are not strong enough to be fine right now. But mm-hmm. eventually he was at the hospital for like a good long time and he really was strong. He really was fine. And the Lord was calling him to found this religious order uh, for... Uh, nurses basically at the time like Mm. if you wanted to be if you went to the hospital like if people were feeling charitable that day they would show up to take care of you and if not then you just died in your filth like it wasn't really anybody's job and he was like well this should be people's job so he he wants to found this order and he goes to a spiritual director who's saint philip neri oh saint philip neri is probably the holiest man in all of rome at the time, certainly the kindest and the most joyful. Um, Neri was said to have a heart that was twice the size of anybody else's heart. And then actually when they di- when he died, they cut him open and discovered that his heart was physically twice the size That's of anybody else's cool. heart. But, you know, Philip Neri hears Camillus and Camillus is like, this is what God is calling me to. And Philip Neri was like, nope, he's not. And Camillus was like, no, I really think that this is what God has asked me to do. And Philip was like, every time you leave this hospital, you fall back into mortal sin. This is not God's call. You just need to be stable and to mm-hmm. own the fact that this is the only place that you can be holy. And he was like, mm-hmm. but I really think that God is calling me to do this. And Philip Neri looked at him and he said, if you do this thing, we're done. Mm-hmm. And Camillus took a deep breath and he said, thank you for everything that you've done for me. But I have to be faithful to what God is asking of me. And they say it's the only time that Mm. Philip Neri was wrong in spiritual direction. Wow. And they eventually were reconciled and, you know, they were friends when Mm. they died. And Camillus went on to found this order that is, like, totally revolutionized medicine and hospitals. They wore a big red cross on their habit which is the foundation ultimately of the international red cross it was totally where god wanted him but like just to see the way that discernment looked at different points in his life complicated that that sometimes it was just like nagging 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 fear Mm -hmm. and uh, and then it was like god messing with the circumstances right and then it was uh falling into sin and knowing that he had to run from it Mm -hmm. and then it was just like a deep and peaceful conviction in spite of position Mm -hmm. and knowing that like discernment's going to look different in all of our lives at different times Um, Mm -hmm. and really the heart of it has to be the certainty that you are deeply wildly passionately fiercely loved by god that Mm -hmm. his call is always about his desire for your greatest good maybe not in the moment but ultimately Mm -hmm. right his desire to make you a saint and his unceasing love for you and that we can trust that god wants what is for our good. And so if we're just trying to love him, if we're just running after him and seeking him, like he is going to do beautiful things. It doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be intense. And you don't have to be afraid mm-hmm. that you're going to get it wrong. Like just run after the Lord and you will find yourself in his will. Mm-hmm. Meg, what an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for all of this. Oh, I can't wait pleasure. to put this out to the world, put this out to my listeners. I think um, you've helped bust so many myths that we have about finding God's will that honestly, I don't see addressed often enough in the Catholic world. So thank you for everything. It's been such a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and before we go, how can people find you? Yeah. So if you Google Hobo for Christ, You'll find me, number one hit on Google, and you can, you'll can you find my website, and there's, um, like, buttons over on the side 
for social media. And so okay. you can follow me. I'm much more prolific on Instagram and Facebook than I am on my blog at this point. Um, and then my podcast is on there too. And so you That's can That's Hobo for Christ as well, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you yes. want me to come speak at your church, I've spoken to ages 1 through 98 and I don't charge <laughs> anything. So you can invite me to come and yeah. we can see what we can do for the glory of God. Amazing. And I have heard your Saint Stories for Children two days ago at Rappahannock Cellars and it was fantastic you have you are so good in person with those little kiddos keeping their attention they were riveted for like almost an hour yeah and that's something and the Holy Spirit was doing something because there was a lot of bugs that we were sweating away while that was going on (laughs) but you were going right through it you just waving your hand (laughs) and you just kept going right through those bugs (laughs) yeah well thank you so much thank you oh my gosh how amazing was she right I have linked to all of the saints uh, that we discussed in the episode today. There were quite a number of them. So if you go to stacysummerow.com and look at the show notes for this episode, you can see descriptions of all the lives of the saints through the links I've put in the show notes there for you. So you can get yourself an education on some of God's best friends. If you haven't already, I would so just appreciate it a million times over if you could share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it, someone who's having trouble finding balance in their life. And if you could also head on over to stacysummerow.com and subscribe and write an iTunes rating and review, that would mean the world to me. Have a wonderful two weeks, and I'll see you back for the next episode. <laughs>